So today my guest is Leo Jenkins. He's our business manager. And I asked him to come talk to me in a very broad way about estate planning because I have two friends right now who are dealing with that with their parents sort of not dealing with that. Their parents are not dealing with it. And my friends are dealing with their parents not dealing with it. So I thought, why don't we talk about estate planning? I think most people think you have to be a gazillionaire and own a million things to need a a trust for, for your assets, but that's absolutely not true. So I wanted to talk about the benefits, uh, the cost of it, and kind of the process and what goes into trust. And we did. It's a very, very basic conversation. Uh, trusts are different from state to state. So know that everything here is, is we're just speaking in generalities. But I thought it was a great and very informative conversation. And I hope my two friends listen and get some help from it too. So um hope you enjoy uh, my conversation with Leo. Thank you for coming back every week. Thank you for your emails. I hope you enjoyed my dad last week. Um, I enjoyed my dad. So any comments you send me about my dad, I'm going to send to my dad. So please feel free. Um, and if you have any questions about estate planning, just email me and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll see, if I can, see if I can ask Leo. <laughs> anyway, thanks for coming back. I hope you enjoy our conversation today and um, see you next week. Are you nervous? No, I think this is what my third yeah. one with you. I know. Wild. I know Teresa was asking me if I was nervous the whole time. And I was like, well, no. Shouldn't be comfortable. You're yeah. super pro. I know. I know my dad, um, I've been asking my dad since I started this podcast. Yeah. And he was always like, absolutely not. And with my dad, when my dad, when no means no, he starts coming angrily unraveled. So, as because he's my dad, I can tell when it's just over. Sure. Right? There's no moving forward. So, until this time, this time, that angry, like, it never started. Okay. So, I kept kind of, like, gently saying, and he'd come look in the studio. I'd catch him in here looking around and check things out. And and I'd go, you know, it's really fun. It's just a conversation. It's super comfortable. Like if you just yeah. treat it that way yeah. and there's no like action, go, you're exactly. on, right? Then it's a little bit easier to stomach. It, it is. It's intimidating though. You think so? Yeah. I mean, you know, the first one I did with you, I thought like, you know, yeah, it's intimidating, but then it gets, you know, you've been doing it for so long now. It's easy breezy. Uh, <laughs> it was easy to me from the start, yeah. I think, because I go, I'm just talking. I, I'm an easy talker. Right. And I'm not at claiming to be an expert in anything. Yeah. I don't have any credentials, so I can't really screw it up, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I'm not an expert estate planner either. No, no, no. I'll say that. Well, no but, one knows what we're talking about Oh, here. okay. Okay, yeah, you ready? Wanna, yeah. So uh, I asked Leo today 
to, here's a big disclaimer. Leo, what what is your job? You're a business manager. I'm a business manager. I'm a CPA. Okay. Um, and as a business manager, it's kind of helping advise in all financial related decisions and management of finances, um, not handling investments, mm-hmm. right? So not a financial advisor that mm-hmm. manages investments, but kind of helps keep an eye on and advise, you know, the whole, you know, the, the big picture of your finances, right? And so that's kind of the broad spectrum of it. And then it goes into the details of uh, tax returns and making sure you have things like estate plans in place mm-hmm. and, um, you know, real estate decisions and insurance decisions. Right. And none of those areas, am I a licensed individual to sell your home or to sell you life insurance or buy and sell stocks for you. But I see it in in my day-to-day to help manage it for my clients. And okay. then the tax return side of it as a CPA is the thing that we're licensed to do. Um, and so that is the part that we do hands-on prepare and manage. Right. Thank you for that. Yeah. And I, I, we were approached by other business managers in the past who were licensed insurance agents or... Sure. Um, there was something else someone was licensed to do. And I thought, but isn't that a conflict of interest? Exactly. And that that's what has kept us away from it and myself personally mm-hmm. um, and our firm is because we don't want there to be a conflict of interest say, saying we're going to benefit from two different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, that shouldn't really come into the fold. It should be helping you make the right decision for you and whatever product of insurance or investment that is right for you. I don't want to be a part of benefiting from that because, again, it's a conflict of interest. So it is because if I say I love State Farm and you say, "Well, Allstate," yeah, then I I get a kickback from Allstate. Then yeah, that's not defeats the purpose. Yeah. So I mean, maybe the other model works for other people. I mean, I'm sure there are some people who think I just want somebody to just take care of all my investing, take care of all my insurance. I don't care who does it. That's fine. I was always very suspicious of an all-encompassing. Right. And it can um, it can be for all the right reasons, right, to try and pass on as much benefit to the client as possible, right? Mm-hmm. Save you costs, all noble reasons to to do both. And I don't I don't discredit that, but the conflict of interest just eliminates it and saying we're not going to do both because of that reason and I want the client to feel more comfortable mm-hmm. than I do. Got so it. That's nice. Yeah. So, so uh, this is, um, we're going to talk about estate planning in a very broad, mm-hmm. very general way. Uh, and this came up for me for a couple reasons. One is my dad is at that age. He's 72, mm-hmm. which is really young. Yeah. But my dad has like 18 different things he owns and he's probably got a deed under a floorboard somewhere. Sure. You know, I don't even know where half of what he has I, I wouldn't even know where to start. And I was thinking about that. And then my friend, Kathy, who's a regular on here, I actually invited her to be here today, but she couldn't because I thought it would be good to have two people yeah. talking yeah. and asking. Uh, or not just, or three people, not just two. Sure. Um, but Kathy's mom is um, in her 70s, owns her home outright, is about to sell her home and move into not really assisted living, but retirement community where there are people on site if something were to happen, but she's in an apartment where she's fully taking care of herself. But what does she do with her money and how does she manage that? And Kathy and I went to LA Valley College Mm 
and took a, a seminar about estate planning, and I could not believe how much I did not understand. Yeah. Well, and there's so many nuances to it as well. And it's, the it's you know, it's why I said there are attorneys that get their license for this because it is nuanced and the rules are changing all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, one of the things, funny enough, I was going to say is the, one of the early things to look out for in estate planning is the salesperson who is going to try and upsell. And they exist, and it's something that the state um, cautions everyone about for estate planning purposes because you can get scared into thinking you need a, a, a living trust and things that maybe are more complicated than your life requires. Right. Um, so before we get too deep, let's yeah. explain what is estate plan? Because I thought it meant I had to have a mansion yeah. with like stables and horses and hangers with airplanes. And that's not what it means. No, an estate, estate plan in general is really broad. And it, it the purpose of it is really, there are a few reasons, but you know, one of the primary ones is to make sure that the wealth that you accumulate over your life, that you Everyone kind of tries to pay the right amount, but not overpay in taxes so mm-hmm. that you accumulate enough wealth for yourself and for your, hopefully for your family that you leave behind. Um, and the goal of an estate plan is to try and map out how best to leave as much of that as possible to your loved ones and whoever it is that you want to leave it to. Um, because, uh, and I guess another disclaimer to say is that every state has different estate laws. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, consulting an attorney for your state is really important because um, here in California, trying to avoid California probate court is really one of the big benefits of a, a estate plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is to avoid your um, your accumulated wealth or assets, avoid it from being tied up in probate with the California courts who are going to then say you didn't have a plan in place or a will or um, anything that designated who gets what the court, we're not going to decide where that goes, whether it's a a surviving spouse or children or grandchildren, whatever it is, you don't want them to make that decision for you. Right. And so that's a big part of estate planning is just setting up the proper documentation so that your assets go where they need to go. You don't have to have a billion dollars for that right. to be the case. You just have to own something. Something. Anything. Yeah. Like even if it's a car. Yeah. I would imagine, not that you would have an estate plan for a car, but my point is, yeah. my dad was like, well, I don't have anything to plan. And I'm like, you have a lake house. You have property. You have yeah. a, you have a, a shop that someone is renting from you. You have the property you inherited from your mom and dad. And so, I mean- your bank account may not be fluffy, but look at all this. And, and you know, he just lost his mom recently and he lost his sister before that. And mm-hmm. uh, my dad's sister was their executor. Yeah. And it's it was a nightmare yeah. for her going through probate and writing checks out of her own bank yeah. account to get things done because she couldn't access the uh, funds from either of the two uh, deceased's accounts for whatever reason in Georgia. And- uh, when I one thing I remembered from that estate planning seminar was when you have a trust, you name trustees, mm-hmm. right? So Bert and I named Bert's sister as our trustee when our children were still minors. Right. So if we passed away right now, both of us, 
And he could immediately access our money, anything to do with our homes, any kind of legal documents. But that's not the case, even with something that's properly done outside of an estate plan, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, the the, um, probate courts, you might get assigned an executor, an attorney uh, responsible for your estate if you haven't documented the way you want things to happen. And they charge a, a designated fee which can become kind of a ridiculous amount, mm. relatively speaking, if you have any assets. Why you're now going to give that to someone else that you didn't intend, mm-hmm. and they're going to divvy things up the way that they think is the right way to do it. Um, and so, yeah, that's a great point. Uh, you know, not not only are you trying to avoid the tying up of assets for a long period of time, relatively with whatever state you're in, in probate, people may not want to spend the money because they may assume it's going to cost a lot of money to set up an estate plan, right? right? When you set up yours, you kind of had an assumption of how much it was going to cost based on the seminar that you went to. That's right. All of that. And I think it was pretty close to that, but it can also be, it's relative to what you have and how much energy needs to go into it. Mm -hmm. Um, Estate planning with an attorney can be, um, it can feel expensive, but as we're talking about relative to your assets not going to who they're supposed to or who you want them to mm-hmm. um, and the costs of attorneys then and, you know, someone having to pick up a checkbook and write all these checks. Um, you're just kind of front loading and taking care of it now for mm-hmm. the benefit of everyone you're leaving behind. Um, you know, it's easy to forget about the, those things that need to happen when you pass away that you want to try and take care of now and it's thoughtful to do it now and it may mean you're leaving that little bit less behind, but the effort and the energy and the, um, you know, that, that heartache that goes along with it, trying to handle it all, um, is a meaningful thing to do. So that is a part of an estate plan too, is just thinking about it. So I remember when we did, you're right. I thought our estate plan was going to be like $5,000 right? and it wasn't. Right. It was like three, yeah. which still for most people is a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. But if you think about, like I think about my aunt who spent probably 18 months of her personal time and I believe some of her personal money mm-hmm. to take care of her sister's affairs after she had passed away. Her sister died very young. She was 63. She had a will, um, mm-hmm. but she, you know, had no idea. She was very right. kind of... Not expected. So uh, just to me, I think about, I know that my Aunt Carol would have paid $3,000 before my Aunt Diane died to not have had to deal with anything she had to deal with for 18 months. Right. So, and, you know, the, whether it's $3,000, $1,000, it's it's all going to be relative. And I, I think what probably helped you then when you set up yours was the setting up before the meeting and going, okay, um, mm. listing out your assets and having that ready mm-hmm. before you talk to an attorney because attorneys are generally hourly. And so if you'd like to mitigate how much it's going to cost, mm-hmm. doing a little bit of prep work and having a conversation with your spouse or or planning it out yourself and going, you know, what are the, the decisions that I want to make? And instead of trying to figure them out with an attorney who's billing you, try and figure them out or think about it ahead of time. So when you sit in the chair and you're talking to them, that that is sorted out. And so that when they say, okay, what assets do you have? Boom, I have a piece of paper. Or you mm-hmm. can say, I've got it ready. I'll send it to you afterwards. 
I have the house, I have whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Having that ready is going to cut down on some of the time that they're going to be taking. Um, And being able to tell them, you know, I prepared for this. And they're going to go, great, then we can kind of cut to the chase. Right. That's really good advice. Yeah. So I know when we prepared, we had to think about, um, obviously, all of our assets, but also who would take care of our children. Mm -hmm. uh, Because when we set ours up, and even still now, they're still minors. So- that was part that was in our trust. Sure. Who takes care of my kids? How do my kids get money? How mm-hmm. is our trust broken up between the two of them? Um, if we all die in a fiery crash, who gets it then? Exactly. Right? Yeah. We had to think about all of that. I don't think we've thought about who gets it then. Yeah. <laughs> until we were in the room. <laughs> but we did talk about, you know, Bert's sister would would get the girls and yeah. and she would have access to the trust and she would be the trustee until they became of age. We decided all that before we came in the yeah. room. And the thing that um, that I've found that takes up a lot of time is it's it's all of that. In the moment, you start thinking, well, what if? And you go down a rabbit hole of what ifs, mm-hmm. which can be daunting. And what, not, what what if what? Well, what if what if uh, let's say for you, what if? Um, all four of you, you and your children pass away at the same time. And then you start going down the rabbit hole of what ifs then. There are a million what ifs. Mm -hmm. Um, What I find is it's uh, first and foremost, try and tackle the the top layer things first. Mm. Once you have an estate plan, you can go back and have the attorney rewrite things if you change your mind, or there are more what ifs that you want to add into it or people that you haven't thought of in the moment, you Mm -hmm. can always go back and change it. I think the importance is, establishing the estate plan in whatever form it's going to take to start. Mm-hmm. And then if there are big question marks that you have, um, generally an estate attorney may say, we can change all of this, but let's get something in place. Um, and again, let's not think about it in the room. May, you you have time to go back and think about it. Um, you know, God willing, you're not, it's not going to happen in the car ride home. Right. Um, but getting it in place is kind of, it's like step one right. of getting it done. Well, that's good advice too, to think you don't have to answer every question the attorney asks you in the room. Sure. If you're paying them by the hour, you can take notes and say, yeah. I'll send you an email with the answer to all these questions. Let's get the meat, all, you right. know, right now, just get to the meat of it and we'll give you all the yeah. sides later. And, you know, you can Google estate plan checklist mm-hmm. and, it, oh, okay. you know, ahead of time, you can kind of go through a ch- uh, an informal checklist of, you know, what other things that I should or shouldn't prepare for. And that'll help you in the conversation. Um, and there's no right or wrong you know, list. It's just to try and get a general sense of all the things that they're going to want to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then go from there. So in our estate plan, we have a will. Mm-hmm. So I don't want anyone to think then you don't have a will. Right. There's a will in the plan, but it, to me, it feels like it's almost like a portal where everything is right. all in one place. So, you know, you go to a portal and you can access several different things. Well, and I think, um, Another common misconception is, well, I already, I wrote out a will on the back of a napkin. It's in the safe at uh, home. The kids know about it. It doesn't count. The, the problem is, is that, um, as I mentioned, your state has <clears throat> specific documents that are required. So if you have a will, make sure you're using the most up-to-date version of whatever that document is. If you don't, it's not impossible to do without an attorney, but it requires some self-education, mm-hmm. right? And so you'll go to your state website that they provide for estate planning and they'll 
provide you with what is the proper form will, um, living will, or what you are wanting to designate to beneficiaries when you pass away so that when it does reach probate, the proper forms are in place and it doesn't get tied up for that much longer because mm. things weren't in place. You know, the the back of a napkin isn't really going to cut it. No. Um, so. No, my dad has a will that he, w- he wrote in like 1982. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, come yeah. on. You, you've acquired things since then. You've sold things since then. And you've been in a long-term relationship since then. And yeah. you have stepkids. You need to adjust, right? You yeah. need to go back in there because then I'm going to have to deal with it. Because right. at, at the time, I was the uh, like recipient. Sure. I don't know yeah. what you call yeah. it. Of everything because yeah. there was no one else to get it. But now I feel like he's got all these other people in his life that need to be addressed. Yeah. And please don't make me address it because that's very unfair. Yeah. Uh, because I would just say, just take it all. Yeah. Because I don't want the conflict. And that's not fair to me. So well, and your life changes and it's worth revisiting your will and, and your estate plan. You know, whatever regularly feels like when your life is updating and changing, you buy a new home, you get mm-hmm. the new car, whatever it is. Um, a new person comes into your life that you, you know, feel like you have a meaning, meaningful asset that you want to make sure it goes to them. Mm-hmm. Those are the considerations. I think um, one of the one of the hard parts of this is you don't know what kind of emotions it's going to stir up when you start thinking about it. Mm, and that's part of the being in the chair with the attorney. Mm-hmm. If you plan and think about it thoughtfully ahead of time. You know, maybe you won't have a breakdown in that chair sitting talking to the attorney and the, the clock's ticking and all of that. I, you know, I can I can say I've been in many instances where that's the case, where it's it sitting in that room or in the chair or on the Zoom call with the attorney. You didn't think it was going to be as hard as it is when you start really thinking about it. And not everyone is um, pragmatic and can bifurcate the emotion of, you know, life and death and the estate plan and what you're doing for your family and your loved ones and all of that. Yes. So another complicated part of it that I think makes people shy away from even wanting to think about it. Yeah. That's Mortality. why, yeah, that's why we took so long. Yeah. I'd been trying to get Bert to just write a will, much less the estate plan. Right. Probably since Georgia was born. Yeah. And how long have we had this right. trust for, um, Four or five years now? Not that long. Well, yeah. She's 16, so it took me at least 10 years, and he kept going, I cannot talk about it. It's going to jinx me, and then I'm going to die. And he went on and on with this ridiculous stuff. And finally, when we did go through it, he said, I'm really relieved. Yeah. He was never stressed about it, really, but he felt like, uh, like, almost like he was an adult for a minute. Like he was a real adult. And, you know... The, there are the parts of it that some that feel good to some people about thinking about what is the celebration at the end of my life. Do I get to dictate that. There are so many nuances um, and opportunities within an estate plan. You can you can kind of say whatever you want it to be. It's yours, and you can define what those things are at the end of your life. So let's talk about some of those nuances. <laughs> One of them you're talking about is, hey, what do you want your funeral to be like? Do right. you remember what Bert said? I do. Yeah, uh-huh. a giant party. A yeah. giant party, <laughs> like. Giant party. Yeah. Biggest party on the planet when he dies. It's fitting, right? I mean, it was like the the part that he got excited about. Yeah. And that's kind of fun to find an exciting, at least a part that he went, oh, what a relief. I didn't think it could be something I thought about as a positive thing. Right. Yeah. Because we're all going to die. Right. There's nothing you can do about it. Right. So you may as well go out in style the yeah. way you want. And he definitely defined that. Yeah. 
Mine was a little quieter. Sure. <laughs> I think mine was like cremated and yeah. sprinkled here. And his was like, no, party. Yeah. And he couldn't believe I would be separated from him. And yeah. I'm like, but dude, I'm not going to, I don't want to be buried in Florida. Right. Exactly. Or wherever. Well, I mean, he can be buried with me. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, speaking of Florida or any state, another consideration, some people may have estate plans. Uh, you may have a trust. You may have your will set up. Um, if you move, if you move states, you have to make sure that your estate plan suits, you know, your estate uh, or it moves with you to that state. So That's you move to good Florida to know. or wherever. A lot of people move into Austin. Yep. You got to take into consideration that on top of everything else and, you know, updating all of it. And um, so, yeah, there are just so many reasons why, again, like we were saying, licensed professionals handle this and you know it is a cost to bear but it's because it's it's complicated every state is different it's complicated and i would it it it's it's like front loading the issue to me right in a positive way because yeah. then you've handled everything and the person that's still here after you're gone can just grieve right or or party well and there's uh, a part of it as well a state plan like we've been talking about normally deals with the thought of death mm -hmm. But there are, you know, the power of attorney version of it, which is if you aren't capable of handling your estate anymore, or um, there's what's called a healthcare directive, mm -hmm. right? That's part of the forms that are needed. What is a healthcare directive? Healthcare directive uh, effectively says what what should happen if you're incapable of making decisions for yourself. Let's say you're hospitalized. Mm -hmm. um, you basically think about it now and fill out, you know, we we do it on our license, right? We decide if we're an organ donor or not. Mm -hmm. It's to the nth degree. And you can check the boxes that are really generic that mm -hmm. says, I want this person to make all my decisions or you make the decisions for yourself now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, again, there's there are a ton of nuances, but you can be very specific or you can be very broad about the decisions that should be made about yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and if you've done that ahead of time, it takes out a, a lot of heartache for your family. Sure. If you designate your spouse to make decisions for you, does your spouse want to make those decisions for you? Or do they say, can we talk about it now so that I don't have to? What do you want to happen? Yes. Right? Uh, I, do you remember our conversation, Bert and I? Vaguely. Bert said he would like me kept alive at all costs, right. <laughs> no matter what, so that he could use my body as he wanted, which I thought was really morbid and gross. And I just was like, don't, no, no, no. I don't want to be on life support forever. And I, I don't want that. You know, that's not for me. I yeah. I don't know that I wanted to do not resuscitate, but I don't want to be on life support forever. And he was like, no, no, no. I, I would never be able to turn that off. So I don't even know that I finished my health directive with that attorney because of that conflict. Because he was like, I could never pull the plug. Yeah. But I would be, I don't want that. Yeah. That's not what I want. I wouldn't want to be in a machine my whole life. It's such a waste of everything of of my life, a waste of the person who's caring for me. They could be doing something else with their time. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, come on, <laughs> help somebody else. Well, that's the thing. There's no wrong or right answer, but um, and you can you can cross that one out if your mind changes and and do a new one. Right? Mm -hmm. We can always change them, but it's more important to have it than to not. Because again someone else making a decision for you that doesn't even know you. Right. If you think about that now, it doesn't feel good. And so if you take the time now to carve it out and, and take care of it, then at least 
you know, that's one less thing for maybe your loved ones to think about or stress over. Right. Especially in a time that's probably going to be pretty stressful anyway. Yeah. Well, what are some other nuances? A health directive. What is a living will versus a will? Uh, a living will is is uh, is basically the healthcare directive. Oh, right? okay. That, that's okay. a living will. It's saying, you know, while you're alive, what is it that you want to happen? Got it. Um, your will is designating your assets and where they go. Um you know, they'll set up something uh, for some, you may set up something like a trust, mm -hmm. right? And again, there are numerous different types of trusts, but a living trust um, is effectively one of those things that we were talking about that it helps avoid probate because it, because it is an entity that is an extension of you effectively, but it is, it is its own entity controlled by you that owns all your assets now, mm -hmm. which sounds maybe scarier, more complicated than it is. Um, but effectively, it, it transfers your assets without it having to go to the court because that entity right. remains even if you pass away and you designate who those trustees are that take over that entity uh, when you're no longer able to. And normally that's in the form of two spouses forming this trust. They both own it together. Um, and an attorney, of course, is going to be the, the best one to explain you know, the layers of what happens after the fact. But, you know, effectively, it just means the spouse retains everything. Um, and then- So if one spouse planning. dies, the other spouse is still owns yeah, the trust. Owns the trust. So nothing's it, affected. Nothing's affected. Mm -hmm. There are nuances based on the size of, you know, your estate and your assets and, um, and you know, how assets should be split up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're in the fortunate position that- um, you know, life, there are things like lifetime exemptions of gifting uh, of your estate. Mm -hmm. And no one wants to feel like uh, your estate's going to get taxed mm -hmm. at, at the end of your life. That's a really frustrating thought. But you're in a fortunate position if you have an estate that large. Mm -hmm. um, but again, uh, you still want to try and keep as much of this accumulated wealth as possible at the end of your life. So there are mechanisms in there to try and make sure that happens Um legally and it passes to everyone you love or your spouse before it starts going through that process of taxation and, you know, money getting stripped out of it to, to go to the government. Right. And, you know, there are states that have inheritance tax, so it starts doubling up, um, which again is another reason to consult an attorney on it. Right. So if I have a 401k, mm -hmm. does that go in my trust? Uh, no. So generally your retirement assets um, aren't going to go in your trust. They're, they exist outside of it, but you're going to name a beneficiary of it. Mm. Um, and funny enough, retirement accounts are kind of a, a, one of the most complicated parts of estate planning because some of them are, are tax-free. You mm -hmm. put them away without having paid tax on them yet. So at the end of your life, those assets need to transfer to someone and the the nuance of how they're transferred and who they're transferred to and whether they can touch the money, whether they're retirement age, is the, it's all the same application. So generally speaking, um, if you inherit a retirement asset, a 401k account or an IRA, um, you generally want to keep it in that form and mm -hmm. transfer it to yourself in your name. But you're going to be limited on whether you can touch it or not, depending on your whether your retirement age or not. And when you pull it out, it is going to be taxed, mm -hmm. um, just like your own 401k or your own IRA. Right. Um, 
the, the, the trickier parts of that are for the larger estates that are outside the realm of what's called exempt, right, um, of tax. And if you're above that, it's where life insurance comes in and, and liquidity for people, cash, um, because when an estate gets taxed, sometimes you own a home and not a lot of cash uh, or, or a lot of assets, but not enough cash to pay the tax bill mm. for the thing that you're inheriting. Mm. Um, and that's where things get really complicated for families in those instances where you inherit a house, but you can't actually afford the house because right. you were left it. Right. So you have to sell it in order to pay the tax bill. It's a sad thing, especially yeah. if it's a family home or, or things like that. So again, it's another nuance of, you know, talking to someone ahead of time to make sure that isn't a burden that you're leaving for someone. Right. Because it's definitely not normally in your intent of leaving someone, a, a, you know, a secondary home or a childhood home, you know, that you raised your family in. You don't want the thought of them having to sell it in order to pay the tax bill for inheriting it. It kind of defeats right. the purpose. Then how do you, so how do you avoid that? Putting it in a trust and it just transfers or? Well, you start by, by normally having a trust. Um, again, like I said, the, these, these situations come up generally when estates are pretty large, but we're in a tricky situation where um, in 2025, the, the larger exemption that we have right now, which is a, you know $11.2 million per person, if you have an estate above and beyond that, then taxes come into play. But that's going to revert to a lot lower mm. in 2025. Um, like if your estate is exactly, less? Exactly, if your really? estate is less, yeah. Um, and it used to be less, Um and again, this it can fluctuate. So sometimes there are timing differences for people who, you know, if you if you pass away in 2025 and you have a really large <laughs> estate, then you're okay. But the year the year after, if you survive it and it reduces, then there's going to be a big tax bill wow. attached to it, which is you know it's complicated. And mm -hmm. um, again, like I said, people who have really large estates like that, they're in a fortunate position, but they're in a, the same position as all of us, which is. You're trying to protect the wealth that you've accumulated and worked hard for. Right. Um, and you want it to go to your loved ones. Right. Um, so it's tricky. Uh, but again, it's something that uh, it's the reason that you should continue to think about your estate plan and have someone in your life that you can talk to about it because your life changes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're all trying to, you know, grow your assets the older you get. And hopefully you have more today, uh, more tomorrow than you do today when you plan your estate plan, you know, if it, if your life changes dramatically, you should update it. Right. So I, here's a question. Yeah. Kathy's mom sells her house that she owns outright. Now she's got a big chunk of money. Mm -hmm. She's going to open a trust. I'm, this is all hypothetical, sure, by the way. Yeah. I have no yeah. idea if this is, I think this was Kathy's question, Yeah. but it's not, not real. It's all hypothetical. She puts that money in a trust, right? Uh, or she invests, well, I mean, I don't know what you would do if you just sure. say she sold her house for $100,000. She lives in Maine. I have no idea how much her home is worth. Yeah. What does she do with that $100,000? Does she put it in the trust? Does she invest it in something and that investment is in the trust? What does she do with that? Yeah. So all of your assets, whether they're, whether it's a home, your home can be in the name of the trust. If you sell the house and you just have cash in a bank account, the bank account can be in the name of the trust. Um, the, the important part is that when and an attorney, when you set up the trust, is going to say all of this. Um, we want to make sure that all of the things that you own, so bank accounts, investment accounts, um, real estate, we're going to make sure they're all in the name of that trust so that 
you know, when the time comes and probate is a question, they're going to say, is anything in your individual name versus the trust? And you don't want there to be anything, any question marks about, about what the trust owns and what you own. Oh. Everything just needs to go into the trust. So okay. in that example, that $100,000, no matter where it goes, even if it remained in the house, the important thing would just be that the, the deed for the house is in the name of the trust mm. and no longer the person. Um, or you put it into an account, and when you open that account, you make sure that that account is named, you know, so so and so trustee of this trust. Right. Um, so the so the bank account belongs to the trust. Exactly. So it sounds to me like a trust is like setting up a business. Yeah. So if you incorporate, you know, Burden Leanne Kreischer Incorporated, mm-hmm. then when we die, the B and L Inc. Remains, keeps going on. Right? So yeah. my checkbook keeps going on. My right. light bill steeps, keeps coming in that. Yeah. It, it, nothing changes because that entity is the same. And effectively, the 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 living trust, um, if you have two trustees, you know, the, the easiest way to think about it is that um, it's a smooth transition and the assets remain with the spouse, mm. right? Um, and then when you have children, it's establishing that those funds are going to them directly mm-hmm. um, and the trust kind of liquidates and creates whether it's a, there are again nuances to it where there's a bypass trust and a survivor trust and all these things that happen uh, but it's what your estate attorney is going to do when you pass away they're going to handle that part um, so yeah it's it's nuanced but again even bank accounts even if you don't have a trust a bank account can be designated to say upon death, the, the oh, really? assets go to this person. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. Just yeah. when you set up your banking? Yeah. You can do, you can do what's called a payable on death, uh, payable on death beneficiary. Oh. Yeah. I may have gotten the name wrong a little bit, but um, effectively it, it takes out of, out of question who receives benefit from that account when you, mm. when you die. And that's, you know, maybe you don't have a trust, um, but you can, when you open the account, or if you have one open, you can talk to the bank and say, is, is it possible for me to designate the beneficiary of this account? Um, and that's traditionally, I believe, for things like checking accounts and CDs. Mm-hmm. A investment account, which may be that you know, hypothetical $100,000, if you're going to a financial advisor, uh, I don't think a brokerage account can be designated that way. Um, but you want to make sure that um, you know if, if a beneficiary can be put uh, on there, they should, or your will needs to explicitly say, you know, this account goes to this many people in this way. Um, again, just the importance of making sure you have the documentation in place ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So here's a dumb question. <laughs> when someone says she's a trust fund baby, mm-hmm. what does that mean? So imagine you got left a trust with a, with a, boatload of money in it, right? You inherited a lot of money and it, it was put into a trust. It, again, it's part of the nuances of trusts and of all the things that you can do. So let's say you have um, you have more money than maybe you'd like for your children to have control of mm. if you pass away. Maybe right. they're young and, um, you know, you haven't, you didn't want them to have, have the silver spoons, so, so to speak. Um, you can control that. Um, by setting up a trust and a trustee, someone in your life that you want until your children are are, uh, are of legal age to 
handle the money there in their life um, to pay all the bills. You can then go the step further and say, you know, I'd like for my child or children not to have access to this plethora of money, whatever money amount that is. Um, I'd like for it to remain. I don't want them to make a stupid decision while right. they're young. Right, right. So you can say, you know, at age 30, hypothetical example, at age 30, I want them to get a good chunk of money. Um, and then at 35, I'll give them the next, you know, you can say a third now, a third when they're 35, a third when they're 40. Sometimes the thought process is by 40, you know, you may have been married and divorced. Mm. And in California, the complication of sharing assets when you get married, that becomes your shared assets. And if there's a trust that is holding all that money, it is not the asset of the married couple. It's still the trust asset. Oh, interesting. And so let's say you, you know, again, using uh, just a, a hypothetical, if at age 30, you're a trust fund baby, so to speak, and you've got this trust that has a bunch of money in it, and you go to whoever the the trustee is, um, and you say, I'm getting married, I need some cash for the the wedding. And they say, that's great. That's a blessing. Um, they have the directive or the ability to give you whatever amount or it's designated in the trust documents that at age 30, you get a third of it. You spend it, you're married, you buy a house, all these things. And yeah, you get divorced somewhere between then and 40 before you get the rest of it. The beautiful thing is, is that money's still there for you and it's just timed out. Mm. Um, and the other part of that is that the the person in charge of it has the discretion to say, well, you're you're a mature 25-year-old. Yeah, you can buy this house or you can, right. you know, whatever it is that they want to do. There's discretion still in there. So it's not absolute, but at least it's a layer of protection. And right. you can write all those things in. An attorney would be, you know, they, they do it all the time. So they, and they'll have suggestions for you about how to not overcomplicate it. And, but there are nuances and it's kind of strange, strange things to think about ahead of time, but you can go, you know, are my children going to be good people or smart with their money? Or if I, you know, shielded them from the world so much that they'll think they can just, you know, make some wild investment and double it tomorrow. So it's crazy, isn't yeah. it? The, how, how uh, we've said the word nuance probably more than I've said it in my entire life, yeah. but how <laughs> nuanced you can get, you yeah. know, how very specific. Uh, we had, I had a friend in my twenties when I lived in New York who uh, was inheriting a lot of money at 30 and we just kept going. He just didn't have to do anything. He yeah. just got to make it a 30, man. Right. <laughs> but he was, he was always frustrated. And I wondered now that I'm older, if he was frustrated because he wasn't really motivated to do anything. Sure. All he wanted to do was wait till 30. And so he was, he was just one of those guys where you thought he's just never happy and he's yeah. always frustrated. Maybe they shouldn't have told him that. And on his 30th birthday, he went, ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> and it's a you surprise we don't want at 30, I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I did not grow up in the world of trusts or funds or uh, just a lot of babies. Yeah. <laughs> no trusts or funds. But um, Well, the complicated part, even more so then, is, um, or the, the thing you have to think about, which makes it more complicated, is who is that person that you want in charge of it? Yes. Right? Because, you know, you may say, well, they're they're having to pay for all of this, so they get to take a fee from it, uh -huh. right? Because uh, one of the alternatives is you can have a bank 
hold the assets and manage it and oh. be the the one that makes those decisions and they will stick to the trust as it's written mm. and they're less flexible right mm. because they're going to say well the trust says this whereas if you have a family member or a friend um who's in charge of it you're going to say they they're going to have good discretion you know they they know the family they they they're going to take care of everything as they see fit but you're also trusting them to do it right and and not, you know. Steal. Steal, be a moral person and all of <laughs> that. Ethical, yeah. Right? That's, um, yeah, that's really true. You have, it has to be someone you really, really trust. Yeah. And, you know, that that goes back into the ultimate part of it. If you're, if you're doing a trust or your will, your estate plan in general, thinking about, you know, your, your children that you have or future potential children that you're going to have and who's going to take care of them if you pass. And that's the the scary part of it to be thinking about. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, it's one that kind of all have to think about, but it's, you know, it, it's one we don't want to necessarily. No, but it is necessary yeah. because then you know that they're in the best place yeah. they need to be. Um, and I think that's a really good, good place to start when you are going to be having children or as you said, you've been trying to do it for a long time. When you have kids, that's normally when you start going, all right, I need to think about what I'm leaving behind and mm-hmm. should probably take care of it sooner rather than later. Yeah. I don't know what what happened to me in my life that I decided, because this was not modeled for me uh, anywhere, Yeah, but I decided the most important things to take care of were your retirement and that stuff, yeah. the yeah. estate stuff. I didn't even know really what it was or meant. I just thought we need a will. Right. Uh, that always, I've always thought those two things were really important. And um, it just took a long time for Bert to come along with me. Yeah. Maybe not so much for the retirement, for investing in your retirement, but definitely for the estate planning. And, you know, what I learned from that seminar is um, I never would have thought that we needed to estate plan at the time we did it. Mm-hmm. Right. I just didn't think we had enough assets for that to be necessary. Right. But what I learned was if you have any assets, I don't know if it's necessary, but it definitely makes a lot of things a lot easier. Yeah. So, yeah, I. I, If you have anything to leave to anybody, do you, you know, if you if you care about it being tied up for potentially a year or more of someone going, well, they had this house. What are we supposed to do with it? And the court says, well, we'll let you know. And they have to rule on it and. All the nuances. Let's explain that a little bit because what happened with my uh, aunt when she passed away, my other aunt was her um, executor. So she owned a house, a car, um, and she had several retirement accounts. Uh, She had a 401k and some outside of that retirement as well. And she had a great deal of cash. Mm-hmm. She had been saving for years to go on all these big trips. She was two years from retirement and she was going to like travel the world. So she had lots of cash saved. Yeah. And I just remember hearing my aunt Carol, who was the executive saying, I can't get this done because the house is in probate. I can't get yep. this done because the checkbook's in probate. I can't get this done because... I'm in probate and I, and the meetings with the lawyers and the going to the courthouse and the back and forth. I think it was a total 18 months. And now Diane had a son, but Diane's son was not left the executor. 
Diane's sister was left the executor. So the son is going, where's my money? Yeah. And the aunt is going, I can't give it to you. Yeah. It's not my fault. It caused a permanent rift between those two because I think he believed with every part of his soul that she was trying to screw him over. Sure. And she is, A, one of the most ethical people I have ever known, and B, was just doing what she could do because of the probate system. So just from that experience alone, that one experience from one death. Now, as a whole another complicated thing when my grandmother died and mm-hmm. there's uh, four four siblings inherited. One sibling had passed and went to the same guy. Yeah. That was so how do you split the farm? They have 88 acres. Where do you split yeah. it? Who well, gets what portion? What if one person doesn't want their share of it and they say, just give me the cash for the value of it? Yes. And the rest want to keep the farm or a vacation house that was left to the, the siblings and someone doesn't, they say they're not going to use it. Right. Just give me the, you know, the cash for it or, you know, buy me out. That becomes complicated too because you yes. may not have the cash to buy them out of it. Right? That's and right. Again, there are so many things that um, are hard to predict the the emotional state that the people that are going to be left with these assets, how they're going to feel about it. Right. And who's going to feel slighted or shorted or. Yeah. Well, I guarantee you my aunt Diane who passed away would have never wanted her sister to go through what she went to. Right. There's no way that Diane went, you deal with it. Yeah. They just, no one had really died in our family where anyone was an executor and understood what that process like boots on the ground mm-hmm was really like, and my observing that, I was like, that will not be happening right. here. Yeah. I'm trying really hard to get my dad to do this for his estate yeah. because like I said, he's got like eight acres here. Now he's got 25% of his mom's farm. Now he's got this lake house. And I, you know, I under no, I do not believe that I just get everything. Sure. There's too many people that has loved him for so long that he should say, you know, you get this, you get this, you get this. Or he should say, the three of you decide who gets yeah. this one thing. It's some some kind of directive. I think part of it, at least for my dad, I'm purely speculating. But I think the confrontation of making those decisions is too much. Yeah. So he'd rather me deal with any problems. He's gone. What does it matter to him at this point? Sure. But um, I don't. I don't want to. I don't like that. <laughs> and I think most people in that situation don't like that either. Like yeah. I'm not going. Give me a fight. Let's right. duke it out yeah. so I can get the thing. You know, I don't really. I'm not interested in that. Well, and it's a weird thing to think about splitting up things, even if it's for your children, and you don't want things to be uneven. No. Right. And you don't want to. If, you don't want to hurt someone's feelings by saying, well, I gave them this, you know, how do I make But up you don't even have and, to tell anybody. Right. It's a private, confidential meeting with a lawyer. A lawyer can't tell anybody right. what you've done. So what's the difference in that in a will? Yeah. There's, except at the end of the day, well, I mean, my dad hasn't changed his will since 1982. <laughs> he, I mean, his current wife was married to someone else then. Yeah. So it's not like, I, I feel very strongly that he should... And listen, this will be the one podcast he'll listen to. And he'll go, Leanne, I can't believe you said that to everybody on the planet. (laughs) But I do feel very strongly he should put everything in a trust just so that it's just handled. And then, and then. Or at least have the proper will for his state 
that will make things go that much smoother. And, no, and so, I want it in the okay, trust. Then you get Can it, you yeah, imagine me dealing with probate know, from here in Georgia? Yeah. That would be so hard. Well, the, the, the additional layer in there, like we talked about, is all of his assets have to be named. And, you know, again, it, an estate attorney is going to be able to advise on it. But I know there are, there are ways of um, trying to umbrella all of your assets and saying, mm. There are unnamed assets, right? Let's say you provided a list and it's got your car and your house and whatever in your bank account. Let's say you accidentally missed a bank account that you don't really keep much money in or or a, a, a piece so of funny. artwork. My right? brain went a tractor. A tractor, a tractor. Exactly. You forgot and you're tractor going artwork, yeah. bank account. <laughs> and I'm thinking there's a random tractor behind yeah. the barn. I forgot about These engines. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, that, that weren't listed or named. But they, the unnamed assets, are part of the trust, oh, right? I they'll see. do, they'll do things like that. That, um, you know, for the purpose of it, uh, can cover it. But mm -hmm. I, you know, they ideally, an estate attorney is going to say, we want you to name as much anything of substance, um, so that there's no question about it, because right. you can blanket statement and say, yeah, everything I have goes to the trust. But you may get a little pushback on that, I imagine, from probate. I would because, imagine too. You have yeah. to be a little specific. Exactly. Right. What yeah. you're saying is you have to be specific, but if you if you say there's this one cup that is made of silver, and yeah, exactly. you don't have to be that specific. Yeah. yeah. But but things of value that um, you know any reasonable person might go, well, what about that? You didn't name it. They're gonna see. They're gonna ask for a record about how it's titled or mm. did do you own it? Um, all those things that go into it. So for your dad, again, it's. Um, the, the trust is great. And then it's about, okay, all the things that he owns, how do we validate the ownership by the trust or the transfer into the trust? And a home um, normally is handled by your estate attorney at the time. They're mm -hmm. going to say, we're going to make sure, because it's normally someone's largest asset, mm -hmm. they're going to say, we're going to take care of the uh, transfer of title from mm -hmm. you into the name of the trust and they'll kind of take care of that. Oh. And they'll give you a blanket form that says, okay, go to your bank, give them this. And it's going to say these, your accounts should be titled this way now Got to it. account for the trust. Right. Because a, a trust can be named whatever you want it to name as long as, long as it's available. Right. Um, and it's going to be the date that you formed it. So it's going to be very specific. Um, and it doesn't have to be your personal name. Mm -hmm. You know, your, your name will be as the trustee, if indeed you are. But the trust itself can be named wife of the party trust or whatever whatever right. it is that you want. Right. So what is the negative to having a trust? Is there any? The cost of setting it up, right? It's mm -hmm. normally the the biggest deterrent. Um, but uh, again, there are so many there are so many different types of trusts. There are there are drawbacks to certain types, but a, a as a broad statement, a living trust uh, is the the thing that we're kind of talking about. Mm -hmm. um, a living trust that is revocable. It means it can be, um, it can be, you know, liquidated and drawn up and, and destroyed. Let's say, you know, you're married and you form a trust. Um, if you get divorced, you can, it's, it can be revoked. That Got trust it. can be disbanded and you can form a new one after the fact. And the assets can be taken out of the trust. There's what's called an irrevocable trust that, is kind of locked in, right? Mm -hmm. The assets that you put into it, they're there. Um, so you want to be careful about that. But again, I don't think too many people are going to go form their own trust without an attorney. So I no, safe. Uh, no, I, I, yeah, I, <laughs> maybe not. 
that would be a bad plan. And again, there are, there are um, you know, more complicated things like life insurance trusts, which are for the purpose of holding life insurance and much more complicated issues that I think are a, a podcast on their own um, and be, beyond the scope maybe of what we're talking about. But mm-hmm. I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> you life lost me at insurance is, yeah. trust. And I was like, ah, <laughs> I don't trust insurance, but yeah. what? No, okay. Um, but, you know, I think there aren't too many drawbacks to a trust um, right. because there's a lot of time and effort put into it for the right reasons. There aren't really negatives behind it other than, you know, you have to take, it's going to take up some time, but right. it's maybe your time versus the the alternative, which is taking up your loved one's time, you know, when you pass away and they have to deal with lawyers and all these things, at least to trust you're setting up and you're doing it willingly and right. spending your own time and your own money in the way that you want it to be spent. Right. I just, I just had a brilliant idea. Mm. When Isla goes to college, I think I'm just going to go to Georgia for like a month. Yeah. And just help him get all his ducks in a row. Yeah. And that way, because I think my dad gets really overwhelmed with um, the largeness of that idea. Right. When in all honesty, this is how easy it was for us. You sent us a, hey, think about these things list, which you just recommended you could download online Mm -hmm. from Google what to prepare for when you meet a a trust attorney or an estate attorney. Um, We had a simple conversation over dinner. We went in. How long was that meeting? Maybe an hour and a half? Yeah. It was not long with a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Lawyer called with a couple questions. Documents came to sign. So total time spent for us really was probably five or six hours. Sure. Yeah. And so the preparing makes it so much easier. Um, And with, you know, with the internet these days, (laughs) you can get all kinds of information to help you prepare. So if you're just walking prepared, there's no, there was, it was one of the least stressful things we've ever done. Yeah. And Bert was super freaked out about it. And it really was super, super easy. So I think for someone like my dad, he sees this as I've got to change everything into the trust name. I'm out. Right. Yeah. You know, it sounds way more daunting than it is. I think it does sound way, way more daunting than it is. And, you know, the seminar we went to, she was also, she was a, an estate attorney. Yeah. So she was trying to get her business. So she made it sound like we were like desperate, destitute <laughs> people if we don't handle this yeah. right now and you need all this now. And then when I talked to you, you were like, oh, this is super easy. Yeah. One meeting, not well, a big deal. Well, that's why I say be careful. You know, the seminar is great for the education and don't commit to anything in it. Right. Um, because you may come out of it feeling like it's something you have to do right now and it's got to be more than what you thought. Um, and they oversell you, like you said oversell. earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and hopefully they're not. But again, it's something that the state, every state, I mean, California especially, is trying to make sure people aren't suckered into this stuff because um, sometimes it's just not necessary. And I, I would say to start, if you really don't, if you don't want to spend the money on an, on an estate attorney, now and you just want to make sure you're protected now i would you know find your your state website they're going to have an estate section mm-hmm. um and just get yourself a you know the will a living will uh you know your healthcare directive the forms that are kind of the basics and use those so you you know you have something that you know god forbid can be presented to the state and it's going to be you know it's going to make it that much smoother right um, right 
as, as opposed to having it on a napkin. Yeah, on a napkin. Or yeah. not at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that I didn't know that you could do that, that every state has a website where you can find out how to write a will or living will based yeah. on the state laws yeah. or requirements. Yeah. That's really great. Yeah. And because that costs what, you nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Because it's what the it's what the attorneys in that state are basing everything that they do off of. You know, there are forms for everything. We just we don't know the right places to look necessarily because we're not going to school for it. Right. But the state, you know, I think it's mandatory that they allow you the information that you're going to need for that sort of stuff anyway. So you have access to it. That's cool. So yeah. if you are tenacious at all, mm-hmm. you can self-educate and at least get the bare minimum all by yourself. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, and like you said, with the internet nowadays, you can figure it out. Yeah, you can figure it out. Yeah. I have another friend whose uh, aunt has just started kind of getting loopy. Uh, and doesn't know where anything is. Mm. Can't and the, they own several um, rental properties in Northern California. Okay, Do, doesn't know their addresses. Can't remember where the deeds are. They own them outright. Yeah, and I'm like, scary nightmare. nightmare. I mean, that is the version of this where you go. Nightmare. You need, yeah, you need to have someone looking after this stuff. Yeah, and if they had set that up, and what's so funny is. Her uncle, who's passed away, was an attorney. Yeah. So you would think an attorney would at least go, you know what? We should get an attorney (laughs) (laughs) to take care of our estate. Yeah. But he didn't. And uh, she found that when he passed away, he was the only name on the deed. He passed away 20 years ago, and the deed was never transferred to his wife. Wow. And so she's the unraveling that she's doing. She's flying up to Northern California once a week. She's having to hire attorneys in Northern California. And she's like, she's the only, um, it's her, her dad, uh, is her dad's sister. And she's the only child of either of them. Okay. And there's no children like any other direct. She's the only person left in this line. And there are just all these moving parts and she's an attorney herself. <laughs> That's even worse. It's even worse. I'm like, I can't believe, please tell me you've done this for your dad. Yeah. And she hasn't. So I'm like, well, why, why, why aren't more people doing this? Why? Well, I feel like you have to, the, the most common thing is that people live through it and they, that's when they learn the lesson of, wow, this is really important. I see. And that's, you know, you hate to see that because that's the worst, worst way to learn. Yeah. You know, but this isn't something that people think about day in and day out. Yeah, totally. About how terrible that process is. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, you'll go through it and then the people that have gone through it will go, oh, okay, I need to do something for myself. Right. Instead of preemptive and, you know, talk to your parents about it if yeah. they're, you know, retirement age or whatever age and go, hey, what is the plan? Do yeah. we have one? You know, can I help and get the setup? Because to be honest, if my parents didn't have a plan, I'd say I'll pay for it because oh, totally. I don't want to deal with that after the fact. If you have anything that you're leaving, let's try and avoid probate. I just don't want to do it. And as you've seen, it's like it's not something you want to do. So I'm sure you would do the same. You're going to go sacrifice a month of your time to go make sure it's all cleaned up, even if you're not getting anything. Just oh, totally. But yeah, yeah I already, I did offer that. I right. said, well, I'll pay f- to have it done. I'll do uh, pay for all of it. Yeah. Um, because I I don't expect anything from my dad. I know I will get something. I'm the sure. only child. Yeah. He's only a uh, blood child. He has three 
um, stepkids, but, and I expect them to get something also, by mm-hmm. the way. I don't think that I just get everything. These kids have been with him for 18 years. Yeah. So why in the world wouldn't they get something also? I think that would be um, very heartless to sure. just go, and only for mine. <laughs> you know, that's not, he's raised one of them since she was 13. Yeah. So I, I would never do that to right. them. Not ever. And I would never want any of them to think, that I was, that my motivation for getting him a trust is that it's really to make everything simple for everybody when this happens. I mean. But what a perfect example of, you know, talking about it makes it that much easier, even though it's not a subject that everyone wants to talk about. So from your perspective saying, you know, dad, what are we doing? Because this is something to plan for and you're not hurting my feelings, you know, from his perspective or anyone's you know, you may be worried about saying, well, you know, you're my only blood child. I should, are you going to think that I should leave you everything? Right. And he doesn't maybe know that. And oh, so I've sharing, yeah, well, I know you have. You know but. me, I'm a talker. <laughs> I've told him, please just get it straightened out. Yeah. You know, but you know, not everyone's like that. And for families that don't like to talk about it again, it's like, uh, you know, maybe you can hash some of that stuff out early and avoid what might be a nightmare. I agree. You know, I um, my dad's wife's dad was an interesting fella. He was, I think, four feet eleven. Had uh, his ginger hair. Okay. He was the number one moonshiner in the state of Georgia. <laughs> my great grandfather was uh, like a revenuer who, yeah. someone who broke up moonshine stills back in okay. hundred million years ago. Yeah. He was the number one person he was after, right? Fiery guy, yeah. interesting guy, yeah. sweetest guy ever. But he'd take his moonshine money and buy land. So by the time he died, he owned something like 500 acres of land, wow. um, several uh, very profitable chicken houses where he raised chicken for mm-hmm. poultry, um, some sons that worked with him. And I guess when he passed, <laughs> my dad went to the reading of the will, and the will said, um, this is the way I want it, and if you complain, you get $1. <laughs> and then here's who gets what. And yeah. I was like, that's exactly like this fella <laughs> who ran around on my, you, uh, this is the way I want it. And if you complain, you get $1. <laughs> I don't know if you can legally write that in a will. You know, I heard from someone the other day, we were talking uh, kind of about this, but we were talking about um, uh, they had a second home, mm. right? A vacation home. And, um, and he, he has, I think, three kids. And I said, how, um, how have you thought about this for your estate plan in terms of, you know, the, the, that secondary home is, uh, you know, it's like a big bear house or an arrowhead house, something yeah. like that. And, uh, and he said, well, I'm leaving it to the three of them and they own it equally. But if any one of them doesn't want it, then their share the cash value of their share is far less than the share of the property. So they either get along or if they want, it stipulates in his estate plan that great, then you get like half of what your share of the property is actually worth. And he said, that's how I've dealt with it. If they want the cash, they can have the cash and it comes out of the estate that I'm leaving them, but it's a much smaller amount. And that way there's no bickering. I've taken care of it for them, for, for them. And, they cannot like me for it. And that's okay. They're getting cash in their hand and they can't complain too much. Right. So there are all sorts of things that you can write in, whatever you want that's um, so funny. to deal with it. 
which I'd never heard of that one before, but I thought it was interesting. If you complain, you get $1. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> of course he wrote that. Of yeah. course he did. You get $1. So no one complained. Yeah. And they took what he gave them and no one complained because I have to tell you, this family is a real spitfire. Yeah. He, his brother's kids had such a feud. He was still living to watch his brother's kids feud. Literally, I am not joking. They were driving through town shooting at each other. Wow. This was in the 80s. This was not in the 1880s. <laughs> this was when I was in high That's school. Wild. Where they were trying to kill each other over this inheritance. Insane. People are insane. Insane. Yeah. And for what? I don't get it. I'd much rather it just be, you know, if you complain, you get $1. <laughs> That's much better. Very clean. Yeah. No bloodshed. Makes it easy. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> um, so if you're trying to find a good estate uh, attorney, mm -hmm. or is that what they're called, estate attorney? Mm -hmm. um, where would you start? The state websites will actually recommend estate attorneys that they, it's what the, um, it's what, at least I know specific for California, it's what they'll, they want you to find your estate attorney through their state website because they vet um, they they vet the estate attorneys to make sure you're not get, getting duped. Oh, okay. it's kind of something that they offer. Um, you know, I don't know what kind of volume actually goes through that, but it's something that is offered. So if you don't even know where to start, I normally start with a you know a friend or a colleague mm -hmm. and say, you know, do you have a estate plan? I I'm thinking about it, and they go, Yeah, I love our person. It took it was super easy and whatever. Um, but that's where I would start. I'd either go to the state website, you know, same place. I think you go for forms. Mm. Um, and, uh, and I would start there, but a family or a friend, I always like that because they'll, they'll give you the, the, the rundown of how it went for them and the pitfalls of their experience. Or they may say, I don't know how ours went. Don't go to this guy. Right. You know, so. So how do you know if you have a bad one? Um, I think, uh, that's a great question. I think um, my advice, whether it's for estate attorneys or financial advisors or CPAs, you've got to feel comfortable having a conversation with them. Mm -hmm. And you have to feel, I mean, I always try and feel out who seems like a good person and you want to do business with them before you even do. Um, so, you know, I think you can do a consultation with an attorney that's a conversation without them billing you for it mm -hmm. and just make that clear up front and say, you know, I'm looking for someone and what's the process like and try and get a feel for them. And if you feel like they're a comforting voice and one that you're going to want to pick up the phone and, and talk to about a change in your estate plan in the future, the last thing that you want is to, is to do it with, with an estate attorney and then go, I hated it. I never want to talk to them again. And it deters you from making any changes or really uh, from wanting to ask any questions about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've told you before about my own business of, you know, I don't want clients that are afraid to call me right, right. Or, or anything like that. And I think the same principle applies with an estate attorney or, or any, you know, professional in your life that's helping you with, you know, again, nuanced, uh, complicated issues. Right. That's really good advice for anybody. Like you said, mm -hmm. your CPA, Yeah. anybody, if you're not comfortable picking up the phone and going, Hey, what is this line item on exactly. this report? Yeah then that's probably not the right person for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a right person for everybody. Yeah. Someone else might work well with that person exactly. that you don't just don't jive with yeah. for whatever reason. So try and talk to a couple of them. Yeah. Um, you know, you're never going to, there's there's no there's no opportunity um, for seeing what else is out there from a choice of one. 
you only meet one, then that's that. Good advice. Yeah. No opportunity to see what else is out there from a choice of one. Yeah. That's why you date, right? Yeah. You, <laughs> that's, you can figure out, I think I like crazy yeah. comics who yeah. take their shirt off and don't clean up after themselves. <laughs> You'd only know that if you knew the alternative. <laughs> right. I went, this guy's tidy, but so boring. Yeah. I mean, snoozer. Um <laughs> Well, I think anything else we need to know about it? I think Those are, I mean, I think we the hit basics. the Yeah, we hit the big stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I think just driving home the point that it's really important and and you know, while it feels scary, I think or emotional, it's it's not that that's wrong that it feels that way, but it's a smart thing to do. So, yeah. I think it's being a responsible adult. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, myself included in some areas, avoid being a responsible adult. I eat irresponsibly mm -hmm. often. And that's one of the places I could be a more responsible adult. Sure. I'm like, French fries, bring it. But I probably shouldn't be eating French fries as often as I do. It's not yeah. that often. But um, if they're on the table with my kids, I can't help myself. But I think that's one of the places we hesitate to to go that extra yeah. step, to be the responsible adult that has to make the hard decision. When my dad was here yesterday, which was last week by the time this airs, um, he said the hardest part of being a parent was disciplining me. But I think this is one of those hard things where you hate to discipline someone, but it has to be done. It yeah. needs to be done to really take care of your business in the way that you should. Yeah. Well, um, it's, you know, we don't feel the consequences of our own, if we don't take action, we don't feel the consequences yeah, of it, true. right? Your loved ones do or whomever. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing to think about right. because they're going to feel the consequence of it. And that's not necessarily something we want. Right. We don't want to think about it, but it's also certainly not the thing that we want for them. Right. Totally. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking your time to come Anytime. talk to me about it. I know you were hesitant because you're not an expert in the field. <laughs> so I think we did a great job with the I basics. Agree. You yeah. did a great job. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> this is great.